Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cedar and Cypress podcast. This is Liv and Allison. And I almost just said my full name for some reason. I was like, this is Olivia. Just, I mean, it's still my name, but it's still, it's still weird. who I am. I feel yeah, like it feels it's weird. It's weird to me when people call you Olivia. Uh, yeah, I'm like, it feels nah, very formal now. It's not right. It used, to, it used to be all I was called. I didn't start going by Liv till like after high school, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so welcome back, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about women's ministry, specifically how they have failed us women. That sounds so like sad, but we're kind, that kind of is what we're talking about. I hate to say it, but it kind of is. Oh boy. Yeah. Are we saying anything positive about them? Well, we have suggestions to make things better. So I feel like we're not just, okay. you know, we're not just on a soapbox. But we're kind of sharing our experience and then offering suggestions yeah. for what we think would make things better. The small soapbox, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about women's ministries today, just talking about things that we've seen, some issues within them, and maybe some ways that we can better improve moving forward just from our own personal experiences um, in our in our own opinions. Um, but before we start with that, uh, we kind of wanted to ask just a very random, not normal question that we always ask. So something that we were both thinking about is like skills that we've always wanted to learn, like hobbies we've always wanted to pick up. So Allison, do you have a skill that you've always wanted to learn or like a hobby you've always wanted to learn? Yes, I always wanted to learn an instrument, but never did. I started learning the flutes. I started learning piano and my mom, I think, wanted me to learn instruments because my mom is very musical, but I just was not very good at them. Also, when she had me start learning piano, I was much younger and my hands were too small to actually play a piano. <laughs> like it was it was painful. to. Stri- I also still have very small hands. So it's just one of those things that's kind of hard. And I've always wanted to learn guitar. But I don't know, maybe I need to start something like a ukulele, like something a little easier. So, yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to learn an instrument. Maybe I will. I don't know. Yeah, I I understand that. I have the smallest hands in the whole world. I have heard five jillion times, oh, you have little baby hands. (laughs) Like from random people and people I know. So, (laughs) yes, I have very small hands as well. And I do remember when I was little and played piano, trying to do those like octave stretches. Yep. And my piano teacher was a man. So he could just like, you know, he could go probably like three more keys up from an octave. But I was over here like completely, you can't see me, but Allison can't like just completely stretched as far as I could go. And like covering like I could barely reach it. (laughs) Like sometimes I would press the key before the octave accidentally. Like I'd press in between the two and make a really gross sound because like I couldn't reach it, but I was trying my hardest. Um, yeah, so I understand. I also have a ukulele because I try to learn guitar and my hands were too small. I might so, have to start there. Yeah, yeah guys, we are not easier. We are not we are small people. We are not big people. We're like we're I'm five one. Are you shorter than me? I think you are a little shorter than me. Maybe. Oh. I mean I'm five one also. Okay. But maybe you're like five one and a quarter or something. Yeah, something like that. We are <laughs> we were just talking today about running and how we can't be very fast because our legs are short and our stride <laughs> is really short. So yeah, this is the recurring theme. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but how about you? Would there be any skills that you would like to learn? Yes. 
There are a lot, actually. I feel like, oh my gosh, my brain just flooded with like so many things, actually. All right. So I have two like prominent ones, I guess. One of them is not really something I'd like to learn now. It's more like something I wish I'd stuck with growing up. Um, Cause I played sports when I was younger and I like, I mean, I danced when I was like really, really little, but then I played soccer and I did like cheerleading and I did cross country and stuff like that. And I kind of just wish I had stuck with one of them. You know what I mean? Like, cause when I played soccer, for instance, when I first started playing soccer, I only played for like a couple of years and I was 11. And I thought because I was 11, I was too old to learn how to play soccer well. No. Because I was under the impression that like you have to like, I don't know, be like three or four to start something and actually be good at it. And so I thought I was too old. And so I ended up quitting because I was like, I'm never going to be good at this. But honestly, if I had done it like all throughout high school, I probably would have been pretty good. So um, I wish I had stuck with that. And the other one is pottery. I would love to learn how to do pottery. I feel like that would be so fun. Really hard, but really, really fun. So those are probably my two. Well, we're going to get into our topic for today. So today's title, we named Wayward Women's Ministries, um, almost an alliteration. Um, But basically, we just kind of wanted to dive into this topic because it's kind of close to both of our hearts. And in our experience, women's ministry have often lacked a lot of depth um, and unfortunately, sometimes truth. Um, So they're necessary, you know, to be edifying, constructive and challenging. Um, These things are and a lot of times they're missing them. (laughs) So a lot of times women are so used to the message that we need to love ourselves more or we need to escape our God given roles in our social circles, jobs, marriages, families. Um, These are all things that we've talked about in other episodes. Um, Just other topics that we've covered. So you probably already know our opinions on those things just in general. And women's ministries tend to be filled with those things along with just a lot of emotion-based study rather than um, actually going to scripture. So, um, you know, we're not saying that's all of them, of course, but a lot of them, that is the case in our experience, that's kind of the case. So um, yeah, so we just wanted to dive into that a little bit and unpack it a little bit as well as give some um, suggestions on how that could be improved. And it also means, too, that we don't mean to discourage or invalidate the real and true and actual transformation that Jesus might have accomplished in your life through women's ministries. So we're not trying to make a blanket statement. And in fact, if you have had great experiences with women women's ministries, we would love to hear about it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that we think that women's ministries that we shouldn't have them anymore. We should get rid of them. We really just kind of wanted to share our experience with women's ministries and the reasons why we think they could use some reform, some change. And like I mentioned a little earlier, we don't just want to be up on our soapbox judging other people or looking down on other people. So we want to actually provide solutions or things that we think would make women's ministries better, that would be more biblical, have more depth. And so if you've had a great experience with women's ministries, that's awesome. That just has not been our experience. So we wanted to share that. I think like for me personally, um, in my experience, I've had a lot of negative circumstances with leadership of women's ministries. And the sad thing about that is that it has nothing to do with someone's character at all. Um, There was never, you know, anyone that was leading it that I was like, this person's a terrible person or they're a hypocrite or they shouldn't be up there like morally, you know, like 
it was none of that. It was literally just like the women that were leading these studies were passionate. They were bold. They were great at public speaking. Um, they had a really great way of communicating things, but they weren't educated on what they were talking about. So a lot of times that led to them going up there and saying some really like, you know, bold things, saying things with an air of confidence, but they were just kind of saying nonsense or like saying things that were not necessarily biblical or things that were just overly emotional to the point of just focusing on us rather than scripture. Like it sounded more like a Ted talk than like an actual Bible study. And of course we've seen this just in the church in general, like in a lot of um, sermons, but I've seen this especially rampant in women's ministries because it tends to be very us focused and it tends to be kind of like, you know, you are special and you are cherished and you are valued and you're enough. And it's like, not that none of like any of those things aren't necessarily true, but it's like, that's, is that what it's all about? <laughs> is that, but that's, that's it. Um, so I don't know. I think I've had negative experiences in that. And it, it really does kind of break my heart now too, because it's like, I look back and there are some women that I remember going to Bible studies, um, you know, with different churches and stuff. And the women that were leading it were just like such beautiful, you know, Christian women who had great hearts for the Lord. But to be honest, they just weren't super educated on knowing theological sound doctrine. And so they would pick curriculum that was just not very scriptural, or they would kind of go off the path and again, just make it all about us and how we're doing and our emotions. And there's a time and a place for that. But um, I just don't think that that should be the focus of a women's ministry, um, especially when you have the opportunity to help women grow and truly learn about the Bible and learn about doctrine and um, theology and all of that. You're kind of wasting it by doing that. If I'm being honest, like I remember one of the biggest experiences that sticks out in my head was going to a women's Bible study where we read out of the passion translation the whole time for one. Oh no. <laughs> um, we should, yeah, that should be a whole other episode. We talked about Bible translations, yeah. but um, we read out of the passion translation, which is not the the most theologically sound for being honest. It's a lot of paraphrasing. Um, and we spent the whole time talking about things we were struggling with. We didn't like talk about anything else. <laughs> it was just that. And then like reading kind of one-off verses here and there about things in the passion translation. And then at the end, it was like, we took prayer requests from everyone and we just prayed about ourselves. And then that was it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like that's a, a similar experience that I've had in a lot of other circumstances as well. Like that wasn't a one-off like that happens a lot. Um, and so unfortunately that's been my experience a lot of the time. And again, we're not saying that's everybody, of course, that's not every church. It's not every women's ministry. Um, but that is my experience. Would you say that your experience could be compared to kind of like listening to a motivational speaker? Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. We had a conference one time at one of my old churches um, and the whole thing was basically just oh like a motivational speech. Like every person that went up there, I didn't even think they opened the Bible once. Wow. And it was supposed to be a church conference for the women's ministry. Oh <laughs> so, yes, I would say that. 
I would say my experience is somewhat similar when it comes to when you just said we would talk about our struggles. That is just it is really important to talk about your struggles. Do not get me wrong. If you don't talk about your struggles, that's a problem. You should be sharing your struggles with Christians in your life. However, I feel like women's ministries often are like, okay, we're going to read this passage of scripture. We're going to talk about what we're struggling with. We're going to share our prayer requests and pray for us all to get better. There's also always what seems to feel like an almost 40 minute time at the beginning where everyone just talks about what's going on in their lives and tries to make it sound very spiritual. And then we end. And it's just, yep. it's a cookie cutter, copy paste experience every single week. For example, for me, I briefly attended a church. I mean, maybe I feel like I gave it a fair amount of time. It's probably around a six month period, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit shorter than that. But I wanted to get involved in the ministries. The teaching for the most part on Sundays felt very sound and aligned really well with what I understand of God's word. So I said, okay, we're going to keep going. I'm going to try out the ministry. I started doing the women's ministry in their Beatitudes study. And they the whole study was on the Beatitudes, which is not the problem. But the problem was that we would just read a verse and then they would just say, how does this make you feel? Like, talk about how this makes you feel. That was like the only prompt essentially. And the curriculum actually had, you know, studies on the Greek word. And it was actually a really well-written book and curriculum. But the way that it was actually conducted on our meetings, during our meetings, was just very surface level, very just talk about what's going on in your life, talk about your emotions, what are you struggling with type thing. How does this verse Mm -hmm. make you feel? How does this verse change the way you look at yourself? And it is still important. It's still important to talk about how verses make us feel and how they change our opinions of ourselves. But that's not the only thing. That tends Mm -hmm. to be the only thing that women's ministries talk about. I remember very, very clearly that on the first night of that study, the leader prayed and she prayed, thank you, Jesus, that when you went to heaven, you left little yous all over the world. And my ears were like, what? (laughs) What did I just hear? That does not sound right. And then after that, I remember hearing the head pastor claim that Christians today are the second coming of Jesus, which is also not theologically accurate. So there were just things here and there where they would say a lot of good and true things, but then they would tack on these random sayings that are like, there would be no basis, no backing. I, I just felt very uncomfortable with it. And so it's just, it's just the experience that I've had that even in youth group, even in youth group, and when we would do our breakout sessions and it was girls and guys, the girls was just like, what are you going through? Like, tell us what's going on. And it just didn't feel like there was any focus on actual scripture or the character of Jesus, which is actually what transforms everything about how we view our lives. When we focus our eyes on God, we think less about what's going on. You know, we think less of ourselves. So I don't know. That's also been my experience. When you said just talk about our struggles, that really struck a chord with me. Yeah, it's it's kind of the theme. I feel like a lot of times of women's ministries is just how does that make you feel, you know? And the thing is, it's not a bad thing to talk about, you know, what we're going through, like you said, especially with our Christian sisters. Um, but again, a time and a place, like that's not always the time and the place. And if we have the opportunity to sit there and really dive into scripture and talk about what it says and learn more about God's word and who he is and what that means about us and all of that kind of stuff. Why would we spend the whole time just talking about what we're going through? Right. Um, especially when, 
and again, this might just be my experience, but a lot of times when you do talk about what you're going through, a lot of what comes out is very much like the surface level. Like, yeah, everyone struggles with that type of stuff. Um, sometimes it's not, sometimes people really get into the nitty gritty of what they're going through, but I, a lot of times have been in groups where not everyone knows each other super well. And so because of that, like, you know, some people might be close, but not everybody is. And so a lot of times what comes up is like, oh, I'm struggling with not feeling good enough, or I'm struggling with comparison, or I'm struggling with bad self-esteem, or I'm struggling because I really want to lose weight, or I'm struggling because I really want to get married, or I'm struggling in my relationship with my husband. It's like these very common human struggles that we all, you know, really go through. And so it's like, we all spend time talking about these things and validating each other's feelings when it's like, I think we all go through very similar things. So instead of spending 45 minutes talking about that and then just like praying and closing it out, why don't we actually talk about something that, um, you know, doesn't have to do with us in that way, I guess, like emotionally as much, um, but is very beneficial to our spiritual lives and to like pointing us to what's really important in life. Um, Cause when you think about it, most of those things are not very important. Like I understand that feeling those things very deeply is hard and it can be really difficult. And sometimes you do need support from other people and other women in your church. But during that time, I just feel like it should just shouldn't be about us at that level, you know? One thing that you mentioned was just praying at the end of it, which is something that also really irks me about the women's ministries that I've experienced, because a lot of times the prayer is just, God, help us with this. God, this is what's going on. And I mentioned to you a couple of days ago, Liv, that God has been teaching me so much about prayer and why the way we pray really needs to be restructured a lot of times and we need to reorient ourselves. So I've been studying Nehemiah and in the very first chapter, it completely blew my mind that the the structure of Nehemiah's prayer matches the Lord's prayer in Matthew that Jesus told us how to pray. And so the structure is you start with praising God, you start with proclaiming who God is, then you confess your sin, and then you petition and you ask God about the things that are going on in your life. And I feel like a lot of times prayer just skips straight to that third step of like, this is what's going on, God, like, please help us with this. And that's what a lot of times women, the women's ministries felt like, that we were just talking at God about our problems and about our struggles. And it is totally okay and totally necessary for you to share your struggle with God and to open that up and to invite him into that. But a lot of times I felt like we weren't, if if ministries are supposed to teach you how to connect with more with God and disciple you, what good does it do to not teach people how to pray well and to not be models of good prayer either? Because more yeah. important than the ministry is first your own relationship with God before anything else happens. Like why even attend a ministry event if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus at that point? That's kind of why I felt like there's not any deep discipleship going on in the ministries that I've attended because they just don't serve their purpose, which in my opinion should be discipleship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, because it's like when you pray, it's not like you have to have a checklist of like, well, I have to say this first, right. I have to say this. And but it's like you do have to, the reason that those things are included in, you know, the Lord's Prayer, um, which is the model prayer for all of us, Jesus says that, um, is because it's not all about you. (laughs) 
like yeah. when you pray, remember who you're talking to. Like this is not all about you. Like this is about uh like a holy and majestic God who is also your heavenly father. So it's like, yes, bring those things to him. Yes, talk to him about those things. But also remember you're talking to a holy God um who deserves all of your prayer. Oh, praise. Sorry, not prayer. All of your praise. Well, your prayer too. Yeah. All of your praise, all of your adoration, all of your worship. And so there should be an aspect of worship in that as well. Um, you know, not just about us. Like I remember one of the, again, a small group, one of the small groups that I went to, it was a woman's small group. Um, there was the, like a time of prayer at the end and the leader was praying for me. And I remember her saying something like, God, we just pray that she would know that like all of this is just for her, God. Like all of this is for her. And I was like, no, no it's not. <laughs> like, what do you mean? So yeah, just things like that where you're like, no. Yeah, meaning like everything's gonna work out in your favor and that no, kind of she idea. She meant like the like all of the encouragement and the reason we were hmm. meeting. Like, cause she said that about other people too. So it was like kind of just saying like the reason we're doing this is for these women, which like, I, I understand the heart behind that, but that's like, not what it should be about. You know, we should be meeting in a church in a gathering of believers for Christ, not for us, right? like for us inadvertently, but not all for us. (laughs) So, well, the thing is when you study God, it actually benefits you as well. It has that secondhand practical, benefit you know when you get to know more about god you inherently also get to know more about yourself but when you're just going in to learn about yourself you don't get the added benefit of learning about god it has to start with god first and i think that i think that if we were to recognize who god is that would really radically transform the way that our ministries are set up the way that because this isn't just women's ministries i do want to mention that a ministry can be bad anywhere for example my husband (laughs) One time when he was in youth group, I think, I didn't know him at this time, but he's told me that they, his church did a Bible study in their youth group. And instead of studying the Bible, they just studied the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. And it wasn't a book club, like a book club studying Christian books is a totally different and okay thing, but it was their Bible right. study. And they were yeah. like, we're going to read the screw tape letters, which is a great book, but it's not the Bible. You can't call that a Bible study. And so... What I want to say with that really is that it could be any ministry. It just tends to be something I see a lot in women's ministry that there's like this lackluster, surface level, emotions based, all about us. How can we interpret the Bible to mean that everything's going to turn out well for us type Mm -hmm. of situation, which I really don't like. It turns me off so quickly. I'm like, I'm out of here. I think a couple, like it was only two or three weeks. I, after that Beatitudes ministry where she, prayed about us being little Jesuses. I still gave it a good chance because I didn't want to just judge her right off the start. You know, maybe she just misspoke. But after mm-hmm. three weeks, I'm like, oh, okay, this this isn't actually a good min- like ministry I'm going to stop going. So right. Yeah. I think going off of that, like one of the main points we want to make is like stop telling women what they want to hear. Um be willing to say what they need to hear. Um, Because honestly, as women, we are just as inadequate, not able to fulfill God's law as men. You know, we're all created equal before God. (laughs) You know, like, have you ever heard the phrase, for instance, the ground is level at the foot of the cross? Like, we're all falling short of God in the exact same way. And so because of that, you know, like, we don't need to be told what we want to hear. You know, like, 
we need to be told what we need to hear, um, which is that we all fall short of the glory of God. Um, that's what Romans three says. Um, it says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Um, so in that it's like, we're all falling short. We all can't earn God's favor in any way. We can't learn, earn our justification. And so in that, to be honest, telling people what they need to hear, or just even telling people the truth point blank. Cause I think sometimes we say things, especially in women's ministry, we'll say things that people want to hear to kind of appease them or to not offend them, um, or to encourage them, but we're actually telling them lies to do that. Um, you can encourage someone while telling them the truth, you know, like for instance, when people are constantly saying, I feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. It's like, well, you're not good enough. That's why we need Jesus, you know, like, but we're all not good enough. It's not just you like, (laughs) and it's not that you're not good enough. Like, you know, in the way of like, you're not worth anything. That's not the same thing. You know, it's not the same thing to tell someone you're not good enough and you're not worth anything. Um, but just to say like, none of us are good enough, you know? And so that's kind of one of the, one of the things that we hear frequently in those ministries. And we're all going around saying, yes, you are, you are, because you're a daughter of Christ. And that is true, but you are good enough because you're in Christ. And that is the only reason why. And I feel like we really failed to uh, explain that um, in a loving way, of course, but to be honest, that is encouraging because when you just tell someone they're enough, that means they have to continue striving to be. Um, but if you tell someone you're not enough, but that's why we have Jesus. That's why Jesus, you know, saved you. Like Jesus chose to save you. Um, and in him, you are enough to be justified before God. You are enough to do the things that he's called you to because you are in Christ and you have his grace over you, which is sufficient for all things. Yeah. That lie is such a disservice to anyone, but especially the lie that you are good enough is a disservice to women, especially. I mean, like if you were enough, why would you even be at this ministry? Why would you bother studying the Bible? Why would you need salvation from Jesus? And I know that those phrases are well-intentioned. You're good enough. You'll get through this. This will like all Mm -hmm. work out. Instead of, like you said, truth can be encouraging. I would actually contend that truth is encouragement. Even when it hurts, the truth is going to be offensive. It's going to be hard to hear that you're sinful and you're broken and you're awful. But that is so necessary for you to hear, for you to recognize that you need to be saved because otherwise no one is, it's not doing you a service. It's such a debit to you rather than a credit to understand that you need Jesus and you are not, you're nothing without him, that he created you. And I think that women like to hear this sometimes because we're put in a lot of roles where we kind of feel like we have to achieve or we have to be good enough or have to do enough. Like in our families, in our marriage or at our jobs, we have pressures on us. And we also have really tough societal standards of beauty and of worth to try to contend with. I mean, it's all over social media. It's all over movies and stuff. So there's a lot of different messages that are being thrown our way. Like you need to be this certain thing or you're not really worth anything. But like you said, Liv, saying you're not good enough is completely different from saying you're not worth anything because you absolutely are. Right. You're worth everything to Jesus. You were worth dying to Jesus. A horrible, terrible, violent death. You were worth that to Jesus, but it doesn't mean that you're good enough. And so those are the two, I think, that that particular lie that you are good enough is a very pervasive, well-meaning thing that people say, but it's just not 
not helpful at all for trying to understand why Jesus came. Right. And that's just like one of the many. Oh, you know, that's yeah. That's just one example. That's just an example. <laughs> of the many. For sure. Going into that, another way that we we think that it could be important, uh, another cool way that we could kind of improve the way we understand and approach women's ministries is to recognize that just because uh, you might not be in a teaching or a leadership role in your church or in your uh, Christ-centered community, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't also be closely acquainted with the Bible and its guidance and submit to it. Because depending on church leadership roles and women's roles in church leadership is a completely separate episode. But if you're often <laughs> being taught by men the, the Bible and scripture on Sunday sermons, there kind of is this feeling like, oh, you can just piece together things through your pastors or through the teachers in your church. But actually, it's just as important for you to know it yourself because we're all fallible. We're all capable of making mistakes or saying wrong things. So we can't oh, we can't trust others to piecemeal the Bible for us. We're the ones that have to take that meal, if you will, and chew on it ourselves. We can't just take someone else's chewed food and, you know, eat it for ourselves. That's what the pastor said on Sunday that I thought was really interesting. Like, that's gross. That's awful. You don't want to be doing that, just taking it through someone else. It's really important for you to know it yourself. So like I mentioned, whether or not women should be in church leadership or pastor roles is a completely different topic. But just because men are often placed in leadership roles in the family and in the church, we as women might allow ourselves to kind of think that we don't need to also have a keen and understanding, discerning picture of what the scriptures say. But this idea couldn't be any farther from the truth. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, when he's saying man, he's referring to Christ followers doesn't mean like only women or only men can be equipped for every good work through the scriptures. There is mm -hmm. not this exclusivity that only men or women need it. And it's just as important, even if you're not in a teaching role, for you to know the Bible for yourself. We study the word because it helps us disciple others and it also helps us build the kingdom and learn more about God. In Titus 2, it says, Older women are likewise to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So the Bible plays a really important role in all of our lives, and it doesn't matter whether you're a man or woman. It's your responsibility to know what's in there, and it's also our privilege to read it and to know what's in there. Just thinking about that, it's like, even if you are someone who is not in a teaching or leadership role, but you're simply a Christian, you already have the responsibility to know scripture and know the word of God. So how much more do the leaders of like a women's ministry or a Bible study, like how much should they be more, should they be held accountable to know those things? You know? So I think it's just like being discerning in that as well. Like who are the leaders what are they teaching? Is it scriptural? And you should be able to know that yourself because you've also studied it. Um, I've heard a couple of times from a couple of different pastors um, the phrase, well, we're not a theology church. And I think that what? what they're trying to, yeah. What they're oh trying my. to say. I don't, what churches are you going to? Like, yeah, I, we've oh been to some interesting ones. Um, but yeah. We've heard that. And that's a very scary statement because I think what they, what they're trying to mean by that is like, well, we're not that like super orthodox, 
traditional church. But what you're really saying is we're not a church that studies God. Yeah, because that's literally what theology means. That's what the word means. <laughs> right. And so I've heard that before. And I kind of feel like that plays into women's ministries as well. It's like, well, we're not a theology ministry. It's just like, you know, they might not even be saying that, but subconsciously that's what they're doing by not teaching theology um, or teaching biblically or theologically. Um, and so I think I've seen that quite a bit. And it's just kind of something that we all have to be wary of, we have to be discerning of, and also just to educate ourselves um, on the scriptures so that we can help bring other people up um, in that knowledge as well, um, so that we can just be, you know, better believers, so that we can know God more deeply, so that we can, um, you know, teach that to other people, be discipled and disciple others, you know? Right. Like if as a ministry, if you aren't leading people towards God, you're leading them somewhere. I mean, if you're leading them back to themselves, (laughs) you're essentially leading them to death. If you're leading them to look to themselves for ultimate significance and security and satisfaction. So those things are just not you're you're leading people to death. If you're not leading the God, you're taking them somewhere else. And, you know, you don't want to be finding yourself in that type of situation. So we have to be really careful. No, that is like the harsh truth of it all, isn't it? Because to be honest, we don't have to be led back to ourselves. We're already self-obsessed. Oh, yes, absolutely. Like, we don't need help with that. No, like everyone knows that they love themselves first. Like, let's be honest. Like even, even and we talked about this again in other episodes about like love yourself and all that, like that whole topic. Um, but we don't, we don't need someone to encourage us to look inward and to know ourselves and to love ourselves because we already do that even if we think we don't. Um, even if you don't love yourself in the way that like you are encouraging to yourself or you have positive self-talk like inwardly, you still love yourself because you think about yourself more than anyone else in a day. Let's be honest. So yeah, yeah <laughs> just have let's to be just be careful. real here. Yeah, just have to be careful of all those things. So the last um, suggestion that we kind of just had here, um, constructive criticism, if you will, um, is something we basically already touched on, but just to l- dive a little bit deeper into it, is just the fact that women are not solely their emotions. So they shouldn't just be talked to as if they're only emotional. Um, we should be challenged emotionally and intellectually by our churches um, and spiritually as well um, to just learn more, to be more theological, to be more critical, you know, thinkers about different things. And um, we should be challenged in those ways. And we should challenge our emotions as well, honestly. Because <laughs> um, our women emotional being, sure, you know, like I cried this morning because my friend's dog died and I was really sad. Aww. Not my friend, sorry. My sister-in-law's dog died and I was very upset for her. So it's like, are we emotional beings? Yeah, of course. However, not every emotion that we feel is rational or should be validated. Sometimes emotions lead to sin and that can be, you know, pettiness, self-pity, selfishness, all of those things should be challenged. So when we go into these groups and they're just encouraging everything that you think, you know, about yourself, they're telling you, no, like you're, you're totally fine. And, um, it's okay that you feel that way. And that makes sense. I would feel the same way. It's like, we can be understanding of one another, but if you're talking to someone and you can tell that what they're doing is honestly leading them to sinful actions, sinful desires, bitterness, etc., you should challenge that. 
you know, (laughs) challenge them to forgive someone else, challenge them to make amends with someone else. If it's about a relationship, challenge them to not be so inwardly focused, but to focus on Christ, to dwell on Christ rather than themselves. Um, Just all of those things like those should be challenged. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a very helpful, good thing to challenge someone else's emotions in that way. Um, Again, you can be understanding and sometimes you should validate what someone is feeling, but sometimes you shouldn't. (laughs) And I think we kind of all know when someone is like telling us something that we're like sitting there like, that's not good. But you sit there anyways, a lot of times as women anyways, and we're like, yeah, no, I totally get that girl. It's fine. You know, and it's not fine. Um, And honestly, if we really cared about the other person and wanted their character to be built up, wanting them to be discipled, you know, we would tell them that. So um, also women are capable of learning deep theological doctrines and using them for the edification of the church. Um, So again, we're not just solely our emotions. Like we can learn (laughs) deep theological doctrines. We also have brains (laughs) just like men. But really crazy. crazy. So um, I, trust me, I know this as someone who's in a very male heavy program right now, studying, getting a master of divinity, like, um, it's not something that a ton, a ton of women do. Um, I mean, you'd be kind of surprised actually how many probably, but, um, you know, it's like, you don't have to be in school to get a master of divinity to be theologically educated. Like you can do that as a Christian, just in general. <laughs> um, and so with that said, our studies in women's ministry should be theologically focused. They should be exegetical and they should be expository. Um, so basically oh, what big words, oh, yeah. no. you're going to have to explain those. <laughs> I will. Uh, so basically, obviously theologically focused just means that they should be about God. We should be studying God and his character and his word. Um, they should be exegetical, meaning that we should be able to look at the scriptures and make observations about them. Like ask ourselves, like, what was the author saying based on the context, based on the time, based on the people that he's writing to? Like, what is the author saying in this? What does that mean? How can we apply that to our time now while still respecting the context that it was written in? Um, So just making observations about the text that are sound. And then expository just means taking scripture verse by verse and going into every verse and talking about it and explaining what it means, explaining the context, explaining all of that. Um, that's what expository is, just going verse by verse. So that's what our studies could be <laughs> rather than just like, so how do you feel today? So I just think that those are things that are a lot more beneficial to us as believers and as Christians and in discipleship rather than just talking about our feelings the whole time. I was thinking about a couple things that you said just there. And one of the things that popped out to me was the idea of validating someone's emotions. And I we live in a culture where it's just your emotions are valid. Now, are your emotions real? Are you frustrated or angry? Yes, that's absolutely true if you're frustrated or angry. But validation is something wholly different for you to mm-hmm. say it's totally okay for you to be angry or bitter at this person. It's just unhelpful to them. And with that, that's that key principle that validating someone's emotions is not always loving them. And it's not loving in a women's ministry setting. In fact, it's less loving in a women's ministry setting for you to always just validate everyone else's emotions and say, okay, it's totally fine for you to feel that way, especially when it comes to relationships 
Like if you're validating that someone's angry or bitter at somebody else or or being selfish in a particular situation. But also to add on to that, there is a nice way to challenge someone's emotion. There's a loving and biblical way to challenge someone's emotions, which is to say, yeah, I understand that. But have you considered this? And I actually do mm-hmm. think that Liv and I have been able to do that for each other a couple times in our friendship. Like, hey, I understand how you're feeling that way, but have you tried this or have you considered this? Have you looked at doing this? And I think that that can be a really loving way to approach talking about emotions because it's still really important to talk about them. It would be completely unnecessary to just not talk about them at all and completely just ignore that part of our lives and how important that is to our spiritual lives. So validating someone's emotions, not always loving, but there is a loving way to approach them. And I also mm-hmm. wanted to add on to something that you said about women being capable of learning you know, deep theological doctrines is that it's honestly, frankly, insulting to not study God or to go to a women's ministry and be treated as if like you don't have a brain. And sure. no one ever intends for you to feel that way. No one intends for you to feel insulted <laughs> or feel like you're being talked They're planning to. the vow city like we're gonna how can we them. <laughs> yeah how can we insult them? But it feels Dumb that it way. <laughs> it feels that way when you go to be discipled and you go to learn more about God and they're just like, what are you going through? And it's like I know what I'm going through. Like, trust me, I've thought about it a lot. Like, I'm coming here to learn about God. And also, I mean, it is important to see how that impacts my everyday life. But again, I think we need to understand the kind of unintended consequences of when we don't study God. It can be, it can either be insulting or it can just like people can walk away with even more ignorance than they started off with or we're leading them off a cliff. And we don't realize that. So as women, we need to be responsible and be acquainted with what's in the Bible because we're absolutely capable of learning and reading and the Holy Spirit will work in you. Like you said, you don't necessarily need a master of divinity degree. That's what God's calling you to. Great. But he put the Bible is in your hands. Like you have so Mm -hmm. many ways to access it. It's available online. It's on apps. You can buy them for really cheap. Like you don't really have an excuse to not study the Bible for yourself except laziness. And that's not me trying to condemn you. I've had to say that to myself and be like, you're lazy if you're not studying the Bible, but you don't have an excuse not to know the Bible and not, and to just like be only about your emotions and think about yourself all the time and then be like, have everyone in your life be an echo chamber for that. Like, yeah, like you go girl. Like, no, Mm -hmm. it's not how we want to live. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like one thing, um, that that kind of brings to mind too, is just that there are so many resources that help you study. Oh, yeah. So it's like if you're if you're wanting to do that and you're like, well, I just have no idea how to do that. It's like ask someone that you know is a strong, you know, mature Christian. Like ask them like for resources that you know might help you study the Bible. Look up commentaries. Look up exegetical commentaries. Like those are very helpful to like, read along with scripture and to really understand what's going on there. Um, which kind of brings me to a warning that I wanted to just give is to look for if someone is basically teaching a study, whether they're doing an exegetical versus eisegetical study. Um, so again, big words, too. but um, <laughs> the if someone is doing an exegetical study, they're going to be going to scripture first, and they're going to be taking the scriptures for what it really says, and then applying that to the church today. Whereas eisegetical is like the opposite. So you're taking your own experiences, your own biases, and you're going to scripture and putting your own thoughts on what it says. Um, And a lot of women's ministries tend to do this, where they take eisegetical, 
like an eisegetical look at scripture. So they're like, this is what I'm going through. This is what I want to hear. And so I'm going to read this verse that kind of goes along with that. And I'm going to say that that meets my emotional, you know, mental need. And that's very dangerous (laughs) because it is one of the easiest ways to take scripture out of context. Um, For instance, like Jeremiah 29, 11, people take that out of context all the time. Like saying like, you know, he knows the plans he has for you. Cause there's a, there's a quite a different context behind that, like a different background behind that than what we use it for. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't have good plans for you. Of course it does. But just like they take it out of context because they're putting their own experiences. Like, well, I'm having a hard time, but I know that God, you know, and it's like, we know that because we know God's character, but that's actually Mm -hmm. not what that verse is necessarily talking about. So just in ways like that, right. You can be careful in that way and be discerning in that way. Like if you see people doing that, um, maybe be careful. Um, and then the last thing that I just wanted to say was I wanted to read first Corinthians 13, 11, which kind of goes with what we've been talking about. And it says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Um, so basically just in the same way, it's like, we're not like as believers, if we're going to somewhere to be discipled, if they're still treating you like a child, and you're still, you know, receiving it like a child, um, maybe that's not the best place for you to be, you know, like we need to be discerning in that way, um, to give up our childish ways and to truly like seek for spiritual maturity, um, and what we're looking for. Like we should definitely be challenged. Our understanding should be challenged in, in groups that we go to. Um, we shouldn't be sitting there like, yeah, I already know all of this. Or like, we're not even talking about the Bible. You know, um, we should definitely be challenged. Like there are times where we should be reminded of things, but we should still be challenged on a regular basis just as a whole. Yeah, I wanted to add a couple things to what you said. First, uh, about being challenged and giving up our childish ways. I wanted to make a distinction between things that are surface level versus things that are foundational. So if you're going Mm -hmm. to a ministry and it's going over very basic and foundational doctrines, that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't be there. Because if it's going over a a large picture of the biblical unity and narrative or foundational truths about the Bible, that doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't be there because you're like, "Ah, I know all this. Like, I don't need to be here. Because we do need to every single day be reminded of the basic tenets of the gospel. We have to live that Mm -hmm. every single day. But there's a difference between that and what is surface level, which means not penetrating deeply into the biblical narrative or who God is or what that implies for us. If you're not hearing about your sin at all, then you're probably also in the wrong place. So I just wanted to make that distinction between surface level and foundational because foundation gets built upon, but surface level never penetrates deeper than this this basic idea that, you know, you're going to have everything you want and everything's going to turn out well, which is also yeah. what I wanted to add on to something you said about Jeremiah 29, 11, which is a very taken out of context verse. But the second half of that, I'm just actually going to read the whole verse. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And I think what people like to do is take this verse and say, okay, uh, God wants me to have welfare, which in other versions, I'm reading out of ESV, but other versions will say prosper and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. So people will take this and mean, okay, I know what prosper means. That means a lot of money. That means a good life. That means everything I want and everything's going to be fine and dandy. But we have to remember, like you said, when we exegete scripture, this was written a very, very long time ago to a different group of people, and it wasn't directed at us. 
Does God mm-hmm. have plans for us? Yes. But his plans are for spiritual welfare, as we can see through right. the whole narrative, and for spiritual prosperity. It doesn't mean that you're always going to have what you want in life and that life is going to be great and dandy. So like you mentioned, there's a lot of verses like that. There's also I another example I wanted to pull out as well that isn't a specific verse, but I've been to churches where the sermon will be like going over David and Goliath and they'll be like, you are the David of the situation. Your problem is Goliath. You're going to overcome it. And it's like, no, that's actually a very specific story about something God did to prove who he is by choosing the lowest of people on the lowest social on the ladder and bringing up into into being a king and being royal. And that actually speaks to God's character and not ours. And so the moral of that story is actually we can't do anything without God, not the moral of the story being you're going to overcome and like everything is great. And so we just have to be really careful of, like you said, that looking through scripture in such a way that we can apply our biases onto it or our circumstances onto it, rather Mm -hmm. allowing God to speak through the Bible, pulling out the principles and then applying those principles to our lives. Yeah, agreed. And thank you for that distinction, by the way, on the child like yeah. versus surface level, because that is very important for sure. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. If you ever hear someone talking about like you in a story in the Bible, like you are this Run away. person, it's like, no, you're not. They were that person. Exactly. You are you. <laughs> David was David, and you are you, and you are yeah. not David. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, well, boy. I think that is all that we have time for today. We've been talking for quite a bit about this, but, um, you know, again, I did just want to give like a brief conclusion just to say, um, you know, we're not trying to generalize to every women's ministry on earth. I am sure there are a million women's ministries that are super theologically based that are led by, you know, people who have taken the time to study God's word and truly understand him and, um, and the Bible and who are able to educate other people and disciple them. And people are growing, you know, within them. Like, I'm sure that there are some out there, but I think what we've experienced is that the vast majority of women's ministries that we've either heard about, uh, or been involved in have had a lot of these issues that we've been talking about. So, um, you know, these are just some things to maybe look out for, just to be careful of, um, and maybe to suggest, you know, like if you know other people that are leading women's ministries to lovingly suggest that these things be implemented, um, just, you know, for the growth of the church, for the growth of the women in the church. So, um, yeah, but we hope that you enjoyed this topic. Um, if you have any thoughts, we would love to hear from you. If you want to send us an email or DM us, um, if you haven't listened to our last couple of episodes, um, go listen to those as well, and we will see you next time.